Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Amen. Well, I have the privilege this morning of reading um, reading the Word. So if you could stand with me and go in your Bibles or follow along on the screen because it's fixed. I think so. <clears throat> to Joshua 6, um, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 15, and then we're going to flip over to Isaiah 55 right after. So this is the reading of the word. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet's blast, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Amen. And then we're going to flip over to Isaiah 55. And I'm glad it's on the screen because it's long. And everybody just was staring at me last service. You guys get to follow along. Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Go ahead and thank the Lord for that awesome word. Wasn't that a beautiful passage? I tell you, what, a, what, beautiful, what beautiful word of the Lord. I wanted that word to just, I, in first service, I was actually almost, almost glad that it wasn't on the screen because the scriptures say that 
we're to be watered by the word, or we are cleansed by the watering of the word, that the word of God can wash over you, wash over your mind, wash over your heart, wash over your life, and that the word of God has the capacity, it's, it has the agency to transform us, to change us and to shift us. And as we journey through Joshua, I wanted to couple these two passages. I wanted a couple, we're, we're, we're back in, in, right in front of Jericho and as the walls are tumbling down, tumbling down and we spoke on that last week, we're gonna tie it up this week. But I wanted to couple it with the promises that we read, the powerful promises that we read in Isaiah. Because we're convinced here at Thrive that good theology will lead you to good decision-making. Good theology leads you to good decision-making. See, it, it really matters what you believe about God. What your belief is about God will impact the way that you, the way that you live. What you, if you have created God in your own image and in your own likeness, that will impact how you live. It will impact your decision-making. And so what we want to do is, 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 is make sure that here at Thrive, you really have a good biblical understanding of who God is and his power. Let, let me give you an example. It's good theology to understand that our God is holy. If you agree, say amen. Our God is holy. Now, in this attribute of holiness, I, I don't want you to think of like some, you know, he's glowing. I want you to understand holiness means he is utterly perfect. Because he's holy, he's perfectly good. Because he's holy, he's perfectly trustworthy. Are you following me? There is no wrong in him. There is no failing in him. There is no sin in him. There is no contamination in him. He is holy. That's good theology. Now, another theological point I want to make is the depravity of man. What that means is you are not holy and I am not holy. That we could never be holy on our own. That we could never earn the grace of God or the favor of God. He is perfect, utterly perfect, and we are utterly imperfect. Now, that really matters because if we are tempted even as Christians who have confessed Christ as Lord, if we begin to patch together bad theology and make God in our image, we make a, a, a God out of our own wishes, out of our own preferences, out of our own thoughts, we, we, we pull together some pop psychology and some, uh, some of our own personal history and something that we read online and, uh, and whatever is socially acceptable, and we create a God out of that, let me tell you, that's a Frankenstein God. That's going to be a mess. And when you have a God who's a mess, you have a messy life. It's just, it's just going to be. If you have a God that starts and stops when you want to start and stop, there will be no consistency to your own life. Good theology leads to good decision making. And the people who don't understand their own depravity, their own lostness without the cross... 
their own, their own lostness without God, will think so highly of themselves that they actually think they've got it all figured out. And then what happens? The Rona. You didn't see that coming, did you? But so, so because God is holy, omniscient, all-powerful, all eternal, immutable, if we own that, if we submit to that, if we agree with that, it will impact how we live with, with others and how we make our decisions. See, I want to impress upon your hearts and minds today some good theology, and that is this. God's will means you win. This is good theology. God's will means you win win. God's will is good and perfect, and because he's so loving, it's available to you. And when his will works in your life, when his will works in your life, when his will works in your life, you're transformed. He changes us. He changes all those parts of you you've been trying to tame but couldn't. He changes all those things that are not okay about you. And the things that are good about you, he highlights and empowers. And he blesses and he anoints. God's will means you win. Now, I'm talking about complete transformation. If you've been bitter your whole life, he can make you sweet. If you've been afraid your whole life, he can make you brave. This is his will at work in you. This is the grace of God. This is the grace of God. See, his will, someone say his will. Don't say his will, say his will. Oh, I like that. That was kind of spicy. Say it again. His will. I did a little head bob. His will revealed, demonstrates his grace. He's gracious. Oh, someone's got to hear this. He's gracious to you. So he reveals how we should live. He doesn't give you life in a big box with 12,000 pieces because life is complicated. And he doesn't, he doesn't give you life and say, hey, build whatever you want. Do whatever you want with it. When the pieces go together a certain way, it's like a, a complicated toy. You ever got a complicated toy? Got a bill for your kid? And you're like, the instructions aren't great. And you're like trying to figure it out because you know, you know, you know, it's got to go a certain way in a certain sequence if it's going to work right. Now, if it's complicated yet necessary to take a toy that you get from, do they still have Toys R Us? That you get online at Amazon. <laughs> With all of its 100 pieces, and it's got to go in sequence, if that is necessary, if it's not a judgment call, it's not a judgment call, it's not a moral call, it's fact. For that thing to operate the way it was designed to operate, you must put it together the way it was designed to put together in order for it to function the way it was designed. Don't you think the creator of life gives you instructions how to do this much more complicated thing called life. He gives you instructions in how to put pieces together and in what sequence to put things together in order for life to go the way he designed it to go for you. Did you follow that? Now, that's not being 
closed-minded or narrow. That isn't being bigoted. But if we believe, if we believe God is who he says he is, if we believe God is who we sing that he is, if we believe in the God of the Bible, he doesn't give you any other option except to enjoy the fullness of his blessing by doing life his way. That's just how it is, according to the word of God. Now, now, are you still with me? Now, I want to make something crystal clear, because a lot of Christians can get caught up in the, in the performing of religious things and completely forget the only way you have a chance is his grace. It is the grace of God that, that by which we are saved. It is the grace of God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. And that's why here at Thrive, someone say at Thrive, we care a lot about how we treat each other. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'd rather have a church full of new converts that haven't forgotten how much a mess they were than those who have been in Christ for years and have forgotten what a mess they were. Because you know what the nearness to the cross means, whether you've been saved a week or 25 years? It means you know, you know just how lost you were. And because you know how merciful he is, it makes you merciful to others. Because he was so kind to you in your addiction and your cursing and your depravity and your lostness and your anger and your wretchedness, yet he died and wooed you to him. Who would you be to judge the person next to you? Who would you be to condemn the person next to you? No, no, no. I've been, I, I grew up in church. I used to sleep underneath the chairs, like how some of you sleep on top. I sleep underneath. <laughs> I used to sleep underneath. And, and, and I can tell you that I, I, I've, I've never been given to alcohol. I, uh, I've never taken illicit drugs. I, I, I followed the word of God as closely as I could. But in my quiet time, I'm 48 years old, 48, been in ministry for 27 years and, and, and been pastor here for a long time and done a lot of things, done a lot of preaching. Can I just tell you that in my quiet time, there are often tears go down my face as I realize just how good he was to me. His mercy, his compassion. If not for him, I'd be lost. And what does that do to me? It makes me really patient with people. It reminds me to be kind to people. It reminds me to turn the other cheek and go the extra mile. Why? Because he did it for me. See, the grace of God is revealed in his word. And as we go through Joshua... As we journey through the book of Joshua, this is, this is something I want you to understand. Are you still with me? Over here too? All right. I just want to, I saw this. Thank you. Watch this. The grace of God is revealed in his will. He is kind enough to tell you how to live. He doesn't say guess. He doesn't say make it up how you want. He says, I, I'm going to be gracious to you. I'm not just going to create you, but I'm going to endow you with my image, and I'm going to give you instruction. I'm going to show you how. So the book of Joshua 
As we're learning through Joshua, this is Joshua and the people of Israel going to the land of Canaan. And what we see here very clearly is the relationship that Israel has with God, the vertical relationship he has with God impacts the horizontal relationship, horizontal relationships he has with Canaan. However this goes, this goes. I want you to catch this. As they abide in Christ, in God, as they obey the covenant expectations of Jehovah, as they listen and, and, and prayerfully uh, listen and receive the instruction from God, and they act it out in Canaan, in the promised land, it goes well for them. And it's the same thing for you and I. See, it doesn't matter that there were big walls. We've already read the passage last week. We read it too. It doesn't matter how entrenched the enemy. It doesn't matter that they don't know their way around Canaan because they've never been there before. All that matters, all that matters is that they're right with God. And it'll go well for them here. God will get them where he wants them to be so long as they're right with, that, with him. So when it comes to us, if your vertical relationship is right, it'll go well with your marriage. As it goes with God, it'll go with your children. If your vertical relationship is right, it'll impact your relationship with money, with stress, with work. As this goes, this goes. Are you following me? Very, very important because some of us want to do this and then come to God with a mess. We're over here fighting and cursing and biting and, 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 and being ourselves. And then we bring him and say, God, why did you allow all this to happen? He's like, why are you coming to me after the wreck? You, co you come complain to me on Thursday. Where were you on Monday? You fired off seven emails you, you shouldn't have sent. You did 12 posts you shouldn't have posted. I'm going there. You made all kinds of decisions in your flesh, and then you come to me. Now, come to me, but the wise person comes to me first. See, it is this relationship with God. It is this communion that impacts how we're going to deal with other people and, and with life and just with problems and with our environment. So that was Joshua. This relationship impacts the city of Jericho. But then we read Isaiah 55, because I want to make something crystal clear to you, that God desires to bestow upon you favor, provision, and power. He wants to bless you. He wants it to go well with you. And whatever that means, because we talked about process before, whatever that means, he wants it to go well for you. See, until you, until you have peace with God, you can't have peace anywhere. I'm going to say that again, because sometimes we can be tempted. If I could just put away enough cash, I'll have some peace. But you know, that's not true. There's always something. There's always an unseen pandemic or, or, or fire or murder hornet. That was 2020. <laughs> There's always something you can't account for. Why? You're not God. That's the other good theology. You're not God. So what we want to do is understand that as this relationship goes well, he wants to bless and provide. 
I want to make this clear. Fundamentally, his will is everything that you need. There is nothing you need nor should want outside of his will. As we grow in this faith, we discover there are things I might desire that really aren't good for me. There's things I've grasped thinking it's a blessing and it turns into a curse. So we learn as we grow in this faith to trust him and his will and to pray like Jesus prayed, not my will, Father, but yours be done. Why? Because his will is perfect. And everything you need and everything you should want, you can find in his will. You still with me? So I want to give you just a few keys to understanding and enjoying the will of God. Understand and enjoy God's will. The first one is this. God's will is accomplished through his power. God's power is, in other words, your advantage. Where you want to get, you should only get by God's grace. If you just create a plan, Proverbs says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You can try to draw, uh, craft your autobiography of what it's going to be like in 10 or 15 years. But if you can get from here to there on your own power, you're selling God short. What we want to be is in God's hands to say, God, what would you do for me? What would you do through me? Don't limit. What a lot of believers will do is they kind of conflate their their faith with their own sense of of accomplishment. And instead of asking God, God, what do you want to be the dream of my life? We come up with our own dreams. Can I tell you that God wants to do more in you and through you than you could ever imagine? And can I tell you that the best eulogy that could ever be spoken at your funeral would be God demonstrated his power and favor through her life. That God opened doors that only God can open and God kept doors shut that should have remained shut. That the, the, the trajectory of your life must have been written by God and God alone because it was miraculous. That should be the desire of our hearts. God wants to bless you more than you could ever imagine. See, God wants to give you more than you deserve. Can I get a witness? See, how else would Lori have, met, have married me? <laughs> Lori Dickerson. All the guys liked her at Bible college, and all I did was march around that wall. March around that wall. And the walls fell flat, and she said, yes. I know what I'm working with here. I know. We're all honest here. Look at this. Only God can do such a thing. Caused her to shook her blind just long enough for me to marry her. Let me tell you, friend, you want what only God can do in your life. God's power is your advantage, not your mind, 
not your skill, not your talent, not your connections, God's power. You want to sit there and say, God, do what you want to do. Get me where you want me to be. Nothing can stop God from giving you what he has for you. The second thing is that God's presence, someone say he's here. God's presence is the guarantee. Now, I, I, believe me, I know I touched on this two weeks ago, and I know I touched on this last week. As a teacher, a former educator, I, I learned that repetition is the mother of memory. Repetition is the mother of memory. I'm repeating myself a little bit because I want you to get this. His presence, his presence is essential. That's why while Lori was reading, I just wanted that word to wash over you. That's why something was stirring in you. Because he's here and his word was being spoken. His presence, his presence is your guarantee. The ark of the Lord went before them. See, if you ever drink, someone had hot tea earlier today. If you ever have hot, hot tea, you got that, that tea bag and you kind of stir it in there. And, and, and what you got to do is you got to leave it in there and let it set. Let that hot tea work so that, why? The longer you leave that tea in there, the stronger it gets. Some people take, the, take it out and, it, and it's weak. We're like that. We got to let God set in us. We got to be in his presence. Why? So he can be strong in us. Some people just want to dip. Like he's too strong. The word, the word, well, that word, Pastor Eric, man, he must have been angry or something. I don't know. What was upset? What was, what was the burr under his saddle? I have never used that phrase before, but I'll use it today. The burr under his saddle. Can I just tell you that some of us just want to like touch the Lord and leave? Instead of just being... <laughs> being trusting enough because you got to trust God to just set and let him soak in you. Let him go to those places you've locked up. Let him go to those parts of you you're ashamed of, you know, because they're shameful. We're not going to give you PC stuff. Politically correct would be, oh, you can't do anything that's embarrassing. No, we've all been ashamed of things we've done and rightfully so. Why? Because God gave us his law in our hearts. We know right versus wrong. It's why a kid will take a cookie and go eat it in the bathroom. He knows he's only three. He knows. He knows. So we got to be trusting God enough to let his spirit just soak us. And the more you soak, the stronger you get. Because you realize I have nothing to fear. He loves me. He loves me enough to correct me. He loves me enough to forgive me. He loves me enough to never leave me. Even when I try to leave him, he never leaves me. So you trust him. His presence. His presence. Not your performance in his presence. But your abiding in his presence. It's critical. You can't play tag with God. You got to abide in him. Jesus said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. And then he says, remain or abide in me because apart from me, he says this. If you don't like it, take it up with him. But I don't think you should. Jesus said, Jesus said that if you don't abide in me, you'll be, you're, 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 you become a branch that should be cut off. You don't bear fruit, you should bear. 
remain in me, remain. Some of us are trying to perform and we sing every song and we say every prayer. Sometimes we just got to sit and be and let his presence fill us. Breathe him in and breathe yourself out and breathe him in and breathe yourself out. His presence, his presence, not your performance. His presence is the guarantee. Number three is that God's plan is the right strategy. I got to go quick. God's plan is the right strategy. He had his people march around the walls of Jericho with a horn like this. If you thought it was like a brass section of a jazz band, no. These were the types of horns that they blew. This, a shofar, a ram's horn. And what this was used for in the people of Israel was two primary purposes. One, it was a signal for one, a call to worship, and two, a call to war. They'd blow this, the priest would blow this, and it was either come and worship, come and participate of the Passover, come and participate of the feast, or it was, we got to do a battle. Now, there is no way this could knock down walls. Some people want to almost elevate this, the shofar, to like some kind of mystical tool. No, it was just a ram's horn. But it was it, it was it, it was the ram's horn used in concert with the will of God. This did knock down walls. God knocked them down as they blew it in obedience. Now, I'm going to say this in love. I had, to, I had to make sure they understood me in first service. So here I'm going to say, I'm saying this in love. Some people need to get over themselves because because it doesn't make sense to them, they don't think it can be God. They'll take parts of the word and say, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's just a ram's horn. It's just an old principle. It's just some archaic, antiquated, religious value. Those are rules that are 6,000 years old. It's just a ram's horn. But can I tell you, we gotta get over ourselves that God uses what he chooses to use. His word, according to Isaiah 55, will not return void. It doesn't have to make sense to you. Hear this, someone's gotta hear this, maybe online. It doesn't have to make sense to you in order for you to do it. Don't be a slave to your limited intellect. You're talking about the God who has all knowledge all power. He knows everything. And because our minds can't understand and, and own something, do you really want to serve a God you can understand? Do you really want to only serve a God that makes sense to you? What kind of small God would that be? That's not the real God. The real God spoke and there was creation. The real God was before time. The real God of, the, of, of, of history can do whatever he wants, what he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants to. It doesn't have to make sense to you in order for you to obey. I had more to say, but I'm going to move. Number four, I'm going to end right here. Number four. And I want to I, I get this one in. I had five points. Okay, four points. Ready? God's will. We're talking about God's will. We're talking about understanding and enjoying it. 
I hope this sets you free. God's will is for his praise, not yours. God's praise is the purpose. His will is for his praise. In other words, he's not about giving you credit. If you want to have life go in, a, in such a manner that you're the one that is exalted, you're the one that is celebrated, you're the one that is respected, you're the one that is listened to, that's a little life and it's dangerous. But if you live a life with its intention of giving glory to God, it sets you free. Because then it doesn't matter if you're respected by your peers or not. It doesn't matter if people agree with you or not. It doesn't matter whether they notice you or not. It doesn't matter whether they promote you or not. Because deep down inside, we know that God is sovereign. He will get us where he wants us to be. No door will be closed to you. He wants open. And you don't want a door open. He wants closed. It sets you free to say, hey, man, if you don't, you know, I, I'm not going to do the wrong thing at work. I'm not going to lie because the boss tells me to. I'm only going to work. Uh, I'm going to work appropriately and not neglect my family. And if they say, you must dance to my tune, you can be at peace and say, I, I only worship one God. I don't rely on you to pay my bills. I trust God. See, when we get it, when we understand that the whole reason you have life is to give him glory, not get it for yourself, it sets you free. The pressure falls. Well, my life is in your hands, God. Just as long as what I do honors you. Just so long that my conversations bless you. Just so long as at the, when my eulogy is said, is spoken, that I've given you glory. That's all that matters. Did you catch that beautiful, at the end of that beautiful song, uh, Isaiah 55? He says, all these things are going to open up the heavens. I'm going to turn the thorn bushes into pine trees. You're going to dance and you're going to spin and you're going to sing. I'm going to forgive you. But at the end of it, are you with me still? I'm going to end right here. At the end of Psalm 55, read it when you get home. He says, this is for the Lord's renown. In other words, this is for my glory. It's all for him. It's all about him. He has graciously given us his will. His will. And it's up to us to exchange our will for his. It's got to be okay that it's not about you. It's about him. It's got to be okay. For you to lay down your crown and receive his. To lay down your trophies and receive his grace. That freedom. That freedom. That reason for living. And as we do so, everything begins to fall into place. I'd like you to bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have seen you work through an imperfect people of Israel and an imperfect leader in Joshua. But as the people, we're in a good vertical relationship with you. We have seen how you impacted everything around them. 
And I pray we would be convinced as your people today to be at vertical peace with you will lead to horizontal peace. As we're at peace with you, we'll be at peace with our children, with our husbands, wives, with our work stress. We'll be at peace with our work. We'll be at peace with the people that contend against us. We'll be at peace. We'll even be at peace in the middle of a society that is broken. We'll be at peace. Why? Because we're at peace with you. I pray, God, today, I pray that we would grasp and enjoy your will so much that we surrender completely to your will. That we get over ourselves when your will doesn't make sense to us. That we would trust you. That we would have confidence in you. And we would surrender. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would not see you, God, as some dictator or puppet master, but we would see you as a, a father, that you call us as your children, that you provide like a good father, that you teach us like a good father, and at times you discipline us like a good father, that you're the good father who knows so much more than we as little children could ever know, and that you're the ultimate father, the heavenly father, the one who knows all things and is perfectly good. Let us enjoy your presence. Let us abide in you. Oh, how we need you. Lord, I pray if there be any contending with you, any wrestling, Lord, if we, if we have wrestled with you and argued with you, I pray for a repentant heart that we would confess that sin, that rebelliousness, knowing you will forgive us and you will help us to trust you. That we would echo the phrase, of the, the, the call of your disciple. Yes, I believe, Lord, help me believe. That we would declare our faith in you and at the same time ask you, help us in those areas of unbelief. Help us, Lord, to grow. We love you. We love you. Trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Family, would you stand to your feet? Online, we thank you for joining us today. Can we give Jesus just a big praise this afternoon? Amen. Amen. God is good. And all the time, amen. Thank you for joining us here at 1130 on online. We hope you'll join us next week. Have a safe week. God bless you, family. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.